Welcome to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. In this podcast, I chat to athletes, coaches, and industry professionals about their sporting journey and the lessons they've learned along the way. Guests range from Olympians to the everyday lover of sport, but the message stays the same. There is so much more to sport than what meets the eye. Make sure you hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you don't miss the release of each new episode. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart. I'd love to hear from you. This week's episode is with the incredible Aussie water polo player, Hannah Buckling. I caught up with Hannah while she was in quarantine after returning from her second Olympic Games in Tokyo. Hannah's career in water polo started off with her being a little uncoordinated, but flourished as she was stubborn and determined to improve. Hannah has had an incredible career throughout her years as an Aussie stinger, and in this episode, she takes us through some of her highs and lows of that journey. Hannah touches on an important lesson that sport has taught her of being compassionate to others and yourself. And I think with what is going on in the world right now, it's a timely lesson to hear. I can't believe it's almost a year since I started this podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to share the journeys and lessons that each one of our incredible guests have had through sport. I am beyond grateful to each one of you who tune in week after week. It's been amazing to connect with you over Instagram and see the community grow. To celebrate the lead up of the podcast turning one, there's a special giveaway running this month, September 2021. We are giving away a limited edition Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart mug so that you can enjoy your cup of coffee or tea whilst you listen to the podcast. All you have to do is open up the Apple Podcast app, that's the purple one with the white logo, go to Beyond Sport with Fiona Stewart, scroll on down to the ratings and review section and leave a review. Make sure you screenshot and send it to me via Instagram or Facebook so I can enter you into the draw. A review with just the stars will be worth one entry, and if you write a comment, you'll get two entries. Entries close at the end of the month, and the winner will be contacted by Sunday the 3rd of October. For those of you who are listening on Spotify or another podcast platform, don't worry, you haven't missed out. There's something coming for you next month. That's enough from me. Let's hear from Hannah. You are a water polo player. How did you get into that? It was offered as a sport at my high school. So mm-hmm. I didn't, I started actually quite late compared to a lot of my teammates. I didn't start playing until I was about 13 in uh, year seven of high school. Uh, honestly, it was just something fun and new that I had never tried before. Uh, so I thought I would give it a go. Uh, also, a lot of my friends were doing it, but I gave it a try and I was really bad at it. <laughs> my stubborn year seven self was like, I don't know. I refuse to be bad at this and um, I think that kind of was the driver for me to to train harder I joined a club team the SMB Breakers um, so that was my first club team and that kind of gave me my first real I guess opportunity to learn how to play play properly and uh, get involved in the wider water polo community Awesome. Did you start off like from a swimming background? Because I always wonder how people get into water polo, like what the pathway is. Was it from swimming? Yeah, I think it was because I was not, I wasn't, I was a good swimmer, but I wasn't a great swimmer. I was a good netballer, but I wasn't a great netballer. I was a good tennis player, but I wasn't a great tennis player. So I was kind of like, oh, let's try something new. And yeah, tried water polo. Oh, that's so cool. 
really, really bad at very not good. <laughs> was there a specific moment other than once you got over the fact that you were competitive and you wanted to get good at the sport that you knew that you were really passionate about the sport? So, I mean, given that now the Olympics is finished, I've been doing like a lot of self-reflection. Um, you know, this was my last Olympics and so I'm retiring from professional sport now. So I actually was thinking about this and I was, I was wondering, I was, and I remember vividly, it, um, it was under 16s. I think it would it had been national championships or state championships. And I remember coming home and telling mum, confident little Hannah, <laughs> I'm going to play water polo for Australia one day. And I remember her looking at me going, mm-hmm, sure, <laughs> totally unconvinced. But yeah, I think it was, I mean, from when I started playing at a club level, I just loved it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was a mixture of the sport was just so incredibly challenging, but also the club was wonderful. I had amazing friends, a wonderful coach, Jamie Ryan, who saw a lot of potential and gave me a lot of opportunities and I was just hooked just hooked oh that's awesome regardless of where it took me I was going to keep playing yeah oh and I love that that yes you wanted to represent Australia but the fact that you were you were hooked on the sport regardless and that you just loved it and the passion for it that's really cool yeah it's a great sport it's a sport that I unfortunately I'm a, I'm a great swimmer but I can't catch very well so it's something that I tried a few times and just decided not to go ahead with because I couldn't catch very well <laughs> you were quite a really I don't, I don't even know how to say it. you were a very strong junior I know you in 2011 you got the Australian junior female water polo player of the year so was that kind of convincing towards that you know playing for Australia yeah so I I think it was under 17s youth squad Mm -hmm. that was my first opportunity to represent Australia I think I was so it was born 91s squad and I was young for the squad I kind of I think I was selected into the Australian squad from the New South Wales B team Mm -hmm. you know kind of made it on potential and then got the opportunity to go overseas. But I'm pretty sure I just filmed most of the games and helped (laughs) the girls train. And I was always on the cusp of that and then missed out on playing for my first junior world championships. So that would have been the girls went away for that in 2009. And I kind of missed out on that opportunity. Uh, Was super disappointed, but also completely understood the decision I I wasn't good enough to be selected and that it was that that was a bit of a turning point I decided you know what I'm going to make the next junior world championships which was in 2011 yeah Um, I'm going to work on all of the things all of the reasons why I was um, you know not selected and yeah that was kind of like my the first time that I really thought that it was a potential to play for Australia for junior water polo. But strangely, even at the time, I never thought I would be able to go to an Olympics. Oh, why was Um, that? I don't know. I just, I I think it was hard for me to put in, to transfer playing junior water polo into a senior water polo level. Mm -hmm. I think there were already girls in my junior, junior Australian team who were involved in the senior national team. But it was, yeah, in 2011 after that, junior world championships having been selected and going away um and we won a bronze medal which was amazing 
um, that the senior coach, senior national team coach, Greg McFadden, called and asked if I wanted to join the girls in their preparation for the London Olympics. That's amazing. Yeah. So I was actually planning on quitting the sport after the junior water polo because I didn't think that senior water polo was an option. And then I had to totally reconfigure my thought process about everything, which I'm really glad I did. Yes, definitely. So did you think that that coach, he called you, did you think that, you know, London could be a thing or were you kind of like, oh, you know, I'll just maybe be one of the, the junior kids on the team, I guess, and, and work my way up maybe for more senior games later on? Definitely the latter. Um, yeah, so I took it as an incredible opportunity to learn the systems, mm-hmm. to learn from some of the more senior girls who wouldn't necessarily be around for the next cycle um, and just to kind of improve my water polo in the hopes of going to the Rio Olympics. Yeah, which you did do, which is amazing. <laughs> and you've just got back from Tokyo, so we can touch on those later. But is there like any other between London and Rio significant like milestones, either wins, losses, injuries that have happened? Well, I mean, we we won a we actually won a silver medal at the World Championships in 2013, which was an incredible experience, and yeah, something that yeah you never you never forget. I think the Rio cycle was tumultuous, mm-hmm. but in general, I held together relatively well. A few injuries and niggles that are normal for um, elite sports people, but um, nothing of note really. I think the. the that cycle was very much for me water polo focused. I did part-time uni, finished off my science undergraduate degree. And while I got into medicine um, during that time, I deferred beginning my course until after the Olympics. Um, So I was very, very water polo focused at the time. Oh, awesome. And how did you go in Rio? I know there was a little bit of an injury in there, but how did, how did you feel at your first Olympic games? Um, I think Rio is such a mixed bag of emotions. Actually, to be honest, Tokyo also a mixed bag of emotions um, because there's so much pride and joy in being able to represent your country in an Olympics. But then also there's that element of being an elite athlete mm-hmm. and also being a part of a team that has the potential to win a medal and then falling short of that. I think it makes it difficult to kind of marry the two experiences because mm-hmm. they're so, so different. Yeah, so the injury you're referring to um, in our round game against Brazil, uh, I was punched in the face and fractured my eye socket. And so then I was ruled out of playing. Uh, and then we lost in our quarterfinal in a penalty shootout. But that's just kind of the Olympics. It's so rare that all of the hard work ends up accumulating in a medal mm-hmm. because every team that's there, every single athlete that's there has done the same amount of hard work. There's so much else that goes into it, like injuries and referees and timing and luck. Mm -hmm. And so I think at the time I found that really hard because in my mind, because we had the potential to and we'd done all the hard work, that it would just kind of, and then it would be the happy ending that we all thought it would be. Yeah. And then it wasn't. Um, And so I think that took me a really long time to come to terms with. Yeah, how did you um, overcome that? Because I've never in that elite arena, but I've been in situations where I came from a swimming background where I'd swim a race and I knew that I'd done the work. I knew that I could swim the time and I wouldn't do it 
and it might have been, you know, to qualify for nationals or to qualify for a final or something and I didn't do it and I would be gutted and I'd, you know, cry and I'd have to pick yourself back up. How, how did you feel during that time? I think in the, the Rio Olympics, I was numb. <laughs> I probably wasn't receiving the kind of um, psychological support that I then have since reached out for mm-hmm. um so yeah kind of numb and compartmentalized and didn't really deal with it so it wasn't really actually until this olympic cycle and kind of connecting through the ais mental health referral network um, and connecting with the psychologist um, that i was kind of able to unpack all of that as well as so many other things that come with elite sport but um yeah so then you know then going to tokyo and having not a similar experience in this in the sense of the injury but a similar experience in terms of not achieving the goal mm-hmm. I think I've been far better prepared uh to cope with the outcome doesn't make it any easier it's still emotional and it's still heartbreaking but it's um I guess a, a, a better place to deal with it now yeah you've got that steady base to work on rather than maybe back with Rio you were kind of you didn't have that foundation to deal yeah. with it yeah Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of mental health skills and, um, you know, everything that comes with kind of psych and psych support. So, yeah. Yeah. And in that, like the Olympic cycle, Olympic cycles are usually in four year blocks, but this one obviously was in five, like in that five years, like what was that like? (laughs) What, what happened in that five years? Uh, okay. Well, so that five years was, Oh, it was big five years. Uh, I started medicine. Uh, to, in 2017 and so I did two years where I was trying to balance studying and training and competing mm-hmm. I didn't sleep much in those two years um, I just was sleepwalking through most of it but also I was doing two things that I was so passionate about and that for me was really special I think having medicine and pursuing my outside of water polo career I think gave me a lot of perspective on the water polo. And then I think that maintaining the water polo helped me in terms of appreciating the medicine more. Yeah. Um, and so while I never slept and it was really quite difficult, I actually really enjoyed those two years. They were challenging, but, you know, I had a supportive coach and a supportive team. So, yeah, I was really, really lucky to be able to do both. And then in 2000 and 19 then I moving into my third and fourth year of medicine which are all clinically based so you have to be face to face in the hospital I then deferred and had planned on deferring until after the Olympics going back in 2021 uh, I went overseas to Greece and had the opportunity to go play in like the Greek league and the European league and so that was amazing uh, we had a world championships won a bronze medal um, and then you know, we were all ready to kind of roll into 2020. Oh, I also had shoulder surgery. There was also a lot of downsides, you know. Yeah. 20- Did you have injuries? Some like chronic ongoing things. And then I had a shoulder injury that started midway through 2019 that I ended up having surgery on at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. Had kind of like just recovered from that and then COVID hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and then everything just kind of, all of a sudden went on pause. We didn't know if the Olympics was going to go ahead. I had deferred uni and then 
I had to try and reorganize that. But I mean, it all worked out in the end. I was pretty lucky. The university let me go back to studying in May of 2020. And so I nearly completed a whole whole year of study bar four weeks, which I'm going to do when I get out of quarantine. And yeah. then I'll sit my exams and complete third year. So yeah, I, it all worked out, but it was, it was big. It was a big five years. Yeah, it sounds like a big five years. Was the shoulder injury uh, like a rotator cuff kind of thing? No, actually it was. Um, it's called distal clavicular osteolysis. So essentially the end of your collarbone or attached to your shoulder, the bone starts to disintegrate. Ooh. It is normally like, um, I think rugby players and weightlifters get it and mm-hmm. they're not really sure what the pathophysiology is. They think it's just maybe like impact causes the bone formation and destruction balance, I guess, goes out of whack. But yeah, so strange that it's a water polo thing. Yeah, I think it must be because we do a lot of grappling and wrestling, but one of the other members of my team has also had it. So, but the surgery went great. And, you know, we were, we were training down at the AIS at the time, which I think was pretty lucky. So you have all of the medical services, all the physiotherapy, it's all on site. And yeah, they took really good care of me. So. Oh, that's um, awesome that you were able yeah. to yeah overcome it. <laughs> Mm, it was tough. I did a lot of freestyle kick. I hate freestyle <laughs> kick. <laughs> but yeah. Water polo, you do the egg beater underwater. Mm. In my very limited knowledge of water polo, but what's your training like in that time? Like, do you do like laps of swimming or is it more like we call it polo swimming and swim, <laughs> swimming where you swim freestyle with your head out of the water? Is that what you do? Yeah. That's what we do. Um, yeah. So I think our training in general which I think is another reason why I love the sport so much is that it's not, I'm not sure I could, I don't think I'd have the concentration just to do swimming and just swim. We have a mixture of, we do swim sets. Mm -hmm. uh, We do legwork sets, which can involve kind of mobility legwork. So moving over your legs and blocking, um, but it can also involve being attached to a stretchy cord um, Mm -hmm. on the side of the pool and doing resistance as well as doing legwork with um, a weight vest on. You can also, then we also do like skills and drills. So that involves passing um, as well as other kind of ball skills in the water. And then there's also the tactical element of it where we are in front of goals and um, move through tactics. And then we also lift weights outside of the pool. That's so, it's so a big cool. mix of, of training, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not just like, cause swimming, we're lucky we get to, you know, do different types of swim sets, but they're all just up and down the pool, to be honest. Sometimes we'd yeah. get really lucky and we could do vertical kick sets or like yeah. <laughs> something like that, which I guess is my nightmare. Yeah. Vertical kick, I will be at the bottom of the pool. <laughs> we had to do vertical dolphin kick because that's the one you, you know, push off the oh, wall yeah. with. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I guess you're, you guys were really lucky that you, you were in a sport that you could kind of vary it up a little bit more than... Uh, just different types of swim sets so that's awesome yeah yeah which is good but yeah after shoulder surgery obviously I'm limited to just doing kicking so my nightmare I hate freestyle <laughs> did you improve throughout that time like were you able to go actually, little lanes? yeah yeah I was pretty proud of myself yeah <laughs> I think I went from being the slowest in the team to the second slowest in the team <laughs> well done well worth it that, that shoulder injury did you good <laughs> yeah uh so fast forwarding a little bit to Tokyo so what was your prep like 
then obviously you're kind of trying to juggle a little bit of medicine or like your placements and, you know, preparing for the games. What, what was that like? Um, I think I was pretty lucky in the sense that it didn't overlap too much Mm -hmm. because of COVID throughout COVID. We did a lot of our own training um, and then we were then limited to state-based training and that I was able to fit in around study. Uh, And then in January, I finished up my study, January, end of January, yeah. And that coincided with the group all meeting up on the Sunshine Coast. And so then we spent the six months of this year, yeah, six months of this year, based on the Sunshine Coast all training together which was amazing having the whole whole squad back together again so yeah that's awesome I know what uni's been on pause for that whole time yeah with some other sports they couldn't get I guess it's different because you're a team sport but they couldn't get like the teams together for camps and stuff because of all the border closures this year so it's really cool that you're all based in Sunshine Coast together yeah it was great I think um, a couple of the Melbourne girls had a really tough time because they couldn't go home and visit family and so, you know, it was, yeah, a bit all over. And even Sydney, we kind of evacuated Sydney <laughs> as soon as the kind of COVID, a couple of cases were there. The call was made that we left. And then um, instead of being able to return back before we left for Tokyo, we were instead just went straight up to Cairns. And, you know, so we haven't seen our families in over two months. But uh, hopefully totally. soon. How did you feel, I guess, going into your second olympics you felt you said you felt more kind of mentally equipped to deal with the result but were you feeling like you wanted to you know enjoy it more were you wanting to yeah how did you feel i think the second olympics is actually such a lovely position to be in i mean incredibly privileged position to be in to have the opportunity to go to two olympics but i think the first olympics i was so i put so much not that i didn't put any pressure on myself this time in general, I put a lot of pressure on myself all the time. But I think in the on the first, in Rio, I put a lot of pressure on myself to the point where I was stressed about performance to the point where I didn't really get to, I didn't really let myself appreciate how incredible it was to just be there. Yeah. Uh, and I think this time around, I went in with the intention of absorbing it all, of appreciating it for not just the outcome but for all of the other incredible things as well as the fact that it's being put on in the middle of a pandemic which I think made it even more special so yeah I think having the I don't know the experience perhaps the maturity Mm -hmm. to be a bit more comfortable in myself as a player to then be able to appreciate all the other things I think was really really special yeah and what were some of your favorite things of you know Tokyo um oh um I think one of them was just like the being able to walk into the competition pool for the first time and be able to see the Olympic rings on you know the walls and uh on pool deck and not be kind of crippled by sickening fear but Mm -hmm. be really really excited and have that be a motivating thing was really special being a part of the Australian Olympic team is really special and kind of being able to meet other Australian athletes and you know go 
and have the opening ceremony. We didn't get to go to the opening ceremony, but instead we did our own little mini ceremony and parade and that was incredibly special. Yeah, and just like the little things like, I don't know, line up and singing the national anthem. Yeah. Mm, that got me. I think <laughs> I cried in most of them. <laughs> so do you do that before every single game? Yeah. Oh, that's really special. And the pride you'd have to be in Australian is, yeah, that would be the pinnacle at that moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. And we've spoken a little bit about, you know, your studying and your career into medicine but can you tell us about the benefit sports provided you as an individual that's transferred over to other avenues of your life so not water polo Hannah but general day life Hannah regular Hannah yes Um, (laughs) yeah I think a sport it promotes a healthy lifestyle I think Mm -hmm. that's the obvious one that everybody knows Uh, it has given me an appreciation for and an enjoyment of exercise that I know that I will that will continue for the rest of my life, which is great. But I think sport is, I don't know where to start. There are so (laughs) many things. We'll start with some of the, or perhaps more obvious ones in the sense of time management is a huge one. Mm -hmm. I always, I love the saying, if you, if you need something done quickly, give it to a busy person because busy people get stuff done. (laughs) And that is incredibly true of me. When I have more on, I'm way more productive. Yeah. Um, so I think my yeah time management skills, super practical and somewhat simple, but I think are out of this world because of water polo. And because you're doing two things that you love, you want to make time for both of them. And so mm-hmm. you just kind of learn how to. Teamwork, I think, is another one. And the beauty of team sport is that you have to, you know, you're not always going to be in teams of people that you like. You're not always going to have, coaches that you like you're not always going to have support staff that you like but you know that you respect them enough to work with them and you know that you're all working towards the same goal and so I think that that's been a really good thing for me over the last few years well over my whole water polo career is kind of managing different personalities and and learning to appreciate different people for what they bring to the team because not everyone's going to be a cookie cutter version of each other yeah and I think also like the brilliant part about it resilience mm-hmm. and another one I've got so many it's taught me so many things so many life skills but resilience I think is a huge one I think water polo and sport in general is amazing and it provides so many opportunities for success but in doing so also has so many opportunities for failure mm-hmm. non-selection not being able to, you know, losing games, uh, not be even small day-to-day things like not being able to perform a certain skill or not understanding a certain play or continually making mistakes in the in training and games as you're learning. I think being able to bounce back from injury, being able to bounce back from, I don't know, timeouts in the water because of other things. I think water polo has provided me with so many hurdles you know and I'm not trying to sound like woe is me this is just normal life life sometimes throws Mm -hmm. a curveball but the ability to trust yourself and to have confidence enough to then be brave and bounce back and try again is yeah one of the most special things that water polo has given me 
the lesson that you've learned along the way that you'd either want to share to someone else or share to you know yourself when you were younger I think one of the most more recent things that I've learned that I think is the for me the most important thing that waterfall has taught me is that is to be compassionate not just to other people but also to myself and in doing so understanding that my worth and others worth is not about their achievements and it's not about the things that you know the tick boxes and but instead it's kind of about their character and um, who they are as a person and how they treat other people and I think that's like the most important part of sport that's the most precious thing that I will take away from sport is that you know I think recently times have been tough and everyone's been going through their own everyone's got their own battles Um, and I think what I've taken away from particularly the last 18 months is learning to be compassionate for other people and what they're going through and understanding that nobody is trying to be not trying to do things wrong nobody is trying to make mistakes everyone's just trying the best Mm -hmm. and also in taking that same approach and applying that to myself (laughs) is yeah I think that's that to me is the biggest thing that sport has taught me and something that I hope I will take into every other aspect of my life um, whether that be work or with friends and family and yeah I think that's so important and really valuable at the moment like especially like you said everyone's going through something and who are we to sit there and judge how they you know how they're handling something when they might just be doing the best they can and to you know sit back and remind yourself in in sport you know whether they've missed catching the ball or didn't defend the goal or whatever it was or in life that they are just doing the best they can with what they have is yeah something really really important I like that yeah it's a new a new (laughs) thing but I'm like really that's the one thing that I'm holding on to yeah I think that's really important when you were saying that it brought a quote to my head and it's I I probably butcher it but it's something like um you won't remember what people do but you'll remember how they make you feel and that's exactly what it is yeah yeah that's exactly it so yeah and I think that I mean mean, people wouldn't necessarily think that sport would do that because it is often so cutthroat and it is often so you know it is so performance based Mm -hmm. but I think particularly off the back of not necessarily achieving our goal but having given everything that we possibly could to achieving it and still falling short yeah a really important thing to keep in mind yeah and I think even just as Australians, I know we're so immensely proud of, yes, the people who maybe medaled, but every single Aussie that made it to Tokyo, like even the ones who just missed out, like we're so proud that you guys were able to, I guess you, you stepped up and you were able to perform in the middle of a global pandemic and you put so many things on hold. Like you, like you said before, you haven't seen your family in months and you did that yeah. to represent us like your country and that in itself is so beautiful and something to be so proud of thank you yeah I think so yeah so So have you been involved in a project where sport has been used as a tool to develop the community I was actually thinking about this I mean I guess I haven't necessarily been involved in a project per se but I guess being still a part of the water polo community and Mm -hmm. seeing the way that the water polo community has kind of come together around these Olympic games 
has kind of reminded me of the importance of like grassroots sport, I think is just so incredible. So the number of young girls from, you know, Winona, my high school or from SMB Breakers, my junior water polo club who have reached out or I've seen that they've been watching games online has just been amazing and something really special kind of, again, going on what we were discussing before so many of these young girls, like girls as young as 10, mm-hmm. sending messages saying, I know that you came fifth and it wasn't the result that you wanted, but we are all still proud of you anyway. Like, oh, tearing up. <laughs> that to me and promoting that kind of approach to elite sport at this grassroots level, I think is really, really, like really special. Yeah. And while it's not necessarily a project per se, but I think in general, I think it's been a wonderful thing that the water polo community has been promoting. So, yeah, yeah. that's fantastic. And, you know, these girls that they are as young as 10, as you say, and they're saying that we're still proud of you. Like, and they are, they're like, they would love if you got a, you know, got a medal and got onto the podium, but they're just as proud anyway. And they're probably going to be, you know, proud seeing you guys all bounce back. Like I know it's only a few it's less than two weeks since your last game and all the feelings are really raw and and you're allowed mm. to feel all everything but yeah that they're going to be so proud when you guys stand up um not, not so much but the team or the community stand back up and go and play their next game which is that's yeah. what it's all about yeah so I think yeah that's a really kind of like special part of the water polo community and something that I'm really proud to be a part of yeah and you're inspiring that next generation which is really special yeah that's awesome yeah so in saying that I guess this question like like you've said you know the last 18 months have been quite tricky for everyone and it's kind of even when we didn't know that Tokyo was going to go ahead and you know it puts a limbo on a lot of things but where do you see the future of sport <laughs> it's loaded it's a loaded question it is loaded isn't it a I'd love to see sport participation for males to females go to 50-50. That's what I would love. And I would love to see women's professional sport match men's professional sport. I think gender equality in sport would be enormous because you see all these incredible young female sport just doesn't retain the same number that men's sport does. And so I'd love to see that. Yeah. Even just... Not at an elite level, even just at, you know, social social netball, social water polo. I think that's really important. Not just because of the health benefits, but also because of the community that it creates mm-hmm. and the opportunities to meet people who are outside of your normal social circle, um, outside of work. And then, you know, I, so when you sent through these questions, I was thinking about this and I, I think the first thing that I was like, oh, it'd be great if water polo could be professional mm-hmm. and then I really thought about it and I actually I don't think it needs to be in order to facilitate the kind of benefits that I think are important mm-hmm. I think it would be amazing if women and men in Australia could play water polo professionally and have that be their career but I think and you know as I mentioned earlier I think it's really it's been really great for me that it's not being professional because yeah. it's mean, meant that I have had the opportunity to pursue things outside of sport, which has also been really, really important for kind of self-development and growth and, you know, learning skill sets that are not just, you know, so narrow-minded. So, yeah, 
I'm that's not going to be one of my things <laughs> but just yeah I think like gender equality in sport would be great and seeing young girls playing sport and continuing to play sport you know doing it because it's fun yeah I, I really like that and I remember back at uni we did a study about the dropout rate and why because there is there's a dropout rate both for males and females like it might not be equal but there is a dropout around that end of high school period early 20s because you become an adult and there's you know all these exciting things about becoming an adult but the there's actually a high and these stats are probably five six seven years old by now and I haven't looked at them recently but males usually go back to sport and the, mm. it's the females that don't and it's that yeah. you know dad might play footy or cricket with the local footy and cricket club, but mum has to look after the kids. And it's that prioritising who gets to play sport or who gets to, you know, participate in their sport. And it's not at all saying that it's, you know, not changing. I think it is starting to change. Like I'm seeing, I work out of a gym. I'm seeing that, you know, that our mum and dad's literally tag teaming. I see them swap over the children in the hallways and it makes me so happy. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, there is that. I guess once you hit that 30-ish age group, once you're over that early adult adult life, then yeah, getting those females back into sport, even if they took a little break, getting them back involved. Yeah, I think I think it's really important. And like I see so many of my friends playing your know, social touch, mixed touch, um, you know, a few friends down in Melbourne playing social AFL. They just love it. Yeah. And the community that they've that they're a part of as a consequence, I think has just been, yeah has brought them so much joy so yeah, yeah it's lovely to see as many women as possible get that as well yeah 100 percent, definitely and yeah thank you so much for taking your time and speaking to me and opening up and being you know vulnerable about how you're feeling post Tokyo but also like reflecting on such an incredible career like congratulations it's been amazing thank you so much Fiona thank you for having me I think yeah what you're doing I think this podcast is just an amazing thing and I think you're promoting some wonderful values and yeah so really really happy to be a part of it thank you for listening to this episode of beyond sport with Fiona Stewart this is a completely independent podcast that has been created to share the journey and lessons of top level sporting professionals but also your everyday lover of sport If you liked this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you could leave a review and share it with someone who you think would also enjoy it. Until next time.